Man, I'm so excited about today. This is the celebration of one of the greatest days in Christianity. So many times we forget the big story of our faith and we reduce it down to this or that when the truth of the matter is is that there's this meta-narrative throughout history about man and God and his relation to us and us to him. We started, if you remember, last December, and we started celebrating Christmas, the birth of the Christ, the mass of the Christ. And, and then we celebrated Epiphany, how Christ begins to work and do miracles. And then we celebrated Lent and that 40 days as we go up to Easter and to the cross. And we celebrate Easter. And, and then we celebrate that resurrection and the ascension. And, and 50 days ago marked that resurrection. And today... 50 days later, we mark Pentecost. And most people never stay through the story to get to Pentecost. Years ago, I recognized that there is more to the story than just the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But have you ever, have you ever seen people that get up and walk out before the story is over? Or they never complete the book. They never get the rest of the story. The grand finale, the, the main event, if you will, this day of Pentecost. And I know most people right now are saying, well, what is Pentecost? I, they just don't wait for it. I mean, they just, don't, they just don't hang around to the end of the story. And, you know, Isaiah says, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up like wings of eagles. They'll run and not faint and they'll walk and not grow weary. And there's a lot of people today that just don't know how to wait for something. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, another will come. It's to your advantage if you just wait. That word wait in the NIV is hope. If you just hope, if you just wait, if you just, just remain patient. See, patience is the trigger of our faith. It, it pulls the trigger. And so many times, people just don't wait to the end of the story. They just don't wait for it. Just hold on a minute. Just, just wait for it. And as Jesus got ready to, to go, as he got ready to ascend, he looked at his disciples and he said, you stay in the city. You, you stay here. And then in Acts chapter 1, it, it, it records him as saying, you wait for the promise. You stay put. You, you stay right there. You stay in Jerusalem. You, you, you stay right where I told you to stay because there's something about to take place. There's a power about to come. And today we celebrate what they waited for. We celebrate the birth of the church. We celebrate this story. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. You see, you weren't the first people told to shelter in place. These, these disciples, these people had sheltered in place twice in the last 50 days. The first time they stayed in place because of fear. They were afraid. And so they sheltered in that place. And on the day of resurrection, Christ stepped into that place. But now, 50 days later, 10 days after the Lord had ascended into heaven, they were sheltered in place again. They, they were in this upper room. This time they weren't there because they were afraid. They were there out of obedience. They were there in a faithful way, waiting and hoping, sheltering, staying, waiting for something to happen. They really didn't know what that something was other than Christ, the one that had been crucified and rose, had said, if you stay right here, there's a promise coming to you. There's power coming to you. There's a force. There's an essence. There's an energy that's coming into your life. And if you wait for it, 
You'll receive it and you'll mount up on wings of eagles, Isaiah said. Most Christians never wait for it. But they were there and they were waiting. It's interesting to me because not only had he said to wait, but in one moment he'd said, go into the world and preach. But don't go until you got what I tell you you got to get. I've come and done what I did so that you can get what I got so then you can go. But you got to wait for the power until you go. Part of the problem with Christians is they never wait for the power and they try to go out and free Israel on their own. And so like Moses, they murder somebody and spend the next 40 years running around the desert because instead of doing it in the power of God, they try to do it in the power of themselves. Pentecost is about receiving this power that comes that allows us to live this Christian faith. Wait for it. And this power came and they were there in the upper room and they were praying. I wonder what we've been doing for 50 days. Praying, I hope. Praying, staying together, staying focused. And suddenly, there came a sound out of heaven as the rushing mighty wind. A sound. A heavenly sound. A sound that came from the invisible world. Not a sound that could be made here in the created world. But a sound that came, a new sound, a distinct sound, a different sound. Come on, sounds trigger things. Somebody rings a doorbell. Somebody honks a horn. You hear the coffee pot going off in the morning. Or or my son-in-law snaps his fingers. There's sounds. And sounds denote change. Sounds reveal something's about to take place. And different sounds mean different things. I don't know whether you've ever been like it, but there's times when I just needed to hear Annie's voice. I, I, it wasn't so much what she said as it was just her voice. It just, it just, there was times as a child, I need to hear my father's voice. If I could just hear his voice, I, I, I knew it was okay. Or I can watch the babies, and, and when mama speaks, those babies calm. We have to understand that sounds trigger. Sounds bring their own power into our lives. Jesus, the the Bible says that the Lord spoke and creation took place. In other words, out of nothing, God made everything. The sound of his voice triggered things. Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking in the garden. Hearing those sounds trigger things in our lives. That sound of God that that moves into our lives. And Joshua marched around the city and they blew the trumpets. And at the sound of that trumpet, the walls begin to come down. Elijah said, I hear the sound of abundance in the air. And, And he knew that God was moving. Or David, God spoke to David and said, listen, when you hear the sound of marching in the top of the trees, then you advance the troops. Sounds sounds. Faith, really, our faith comes from hearing. Our faith comes from the hearing of the voice of God. And in the upper room, they heard this sound. And it was a sound that came from somewhere. It sounded like a rushing mighty wind. Jesus had told them, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. But so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. You see, to be born again means you can hear a sound. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. But suddenly you become aware of a sound. And you hear this sound. And, and it's different. And it's distinct. And, and it, it causes a change in our lives. And if we're born again, it's because we've heard the sound. And it's not a sound of religion. 
It's not a sound of denominationalism. It's not a political sound. it's, It's not a legalistic sound. It's not idealistic. It's a sound from the purity of God, the sound of love, this love that's unconditional, this God that comes to give to us, not because we said the right things, not because we did the right things, not because we learned the right things. 50 days ago, we were huddled in this room afraid, but today... Today, there's a sound, and it comes out of the Spirit, and it creates, and it sustains, and it develops. Oh, I don't know, 40, week, 40 days ago, I was on the phone with our care pastors at the Father's house, and I was letting each one of them say some things, and each one of them were sharing prophetically, and each one of them kept saying, I hear this wind, I hear this wind, I hear this wind. And I knew that, that, that 50 days ago as this thing started where we were sheltering in place that if we would catch what was going on that there was going to be a new release of power in the church. Not just in this church, but in the church. That there'd be, there'd be a spiritual awakening, a spiritual revival that would take place if truthfully we would have the ability to hear this different vibration. Verse 3, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God breathed breath into Adam, and on the day of Pentecost, he breathed breath into the church. He breathed breath into the body of Christ and all the naysayers of the church. Can I say to you, you got to be careful because the church is the body of Christ. And God breathed on the day of Pentecost. And when he breathed on them, they were filled. The lungs of the church were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. There was this tone, this tenor, this sound. And when breath comes into a baby, I've watched it four times in my life as that baby took a new breath. And you could hear the cry of life that took place in that child, that child that had been incubated inside of its mother. And then as that child is born, it, and it begins to cry in that breath. And that's what gave birth to the church. That's the church. This, this thing that was born because God breathed and filled the lungs of the body of Christ. And can I tell you something? The people didn't hear the wind. The city of Jerusalem didn't hear the wind. They heard the people speaking. That's the problem today is there's so much speaking going on that is not of the Spirit. But all of Jerusalem begin to hear these men and women in the upper room and they begin to speak by the utterance of the breath of God. Verse 5, And there, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred and the multitude came together, they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they all marveled and spoke to one another. Are not these Galileans? And yet we're hearing this thing. And they are speaking in their own languages. And what were they hearing? These disciples in the upper room, filled with the Holy Spirit, were speaking. And all these tribes and nations and tongues were hearing it in their own language. And they said, we're hearing the wonderful works of God. Sometimes I wonder what's coming out of the church. Sometimes I wonder what has come out of the body of Christ. Because on the day of Pentecost, what came out of the mouths of the apostles were the wonderful works of God. Not judgment, not criticism, not condemnation, not denominationalism, not legalism, not division. 
Not politicism, but what they heard was the work of Jesus Christ. They heard the work of how Christ had come and that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself and that God had breathed the breath of God back into them and the rest of the stories that God has come into our lives that we could hear the wonderful work of God. And so they were all amazed and they were perplexed. And they said to one one another, what does this mean? I mean... What does this mean? What does it mean to have the power and the presence and the wind and the voice of God and the sound? What does it mean to have Pentecost in our lives? What, what's this mean? You know, the people that went out and picked up the manna, the word manna, yeah, the manna, the bread fell from heaven. And, and when the manna, they went out and they picked it up and they said manna. And the word manna means what's this? What's this? Listen, I've been serving the Lord a long, long time, and it's interesting to me how people have missed Pentecost. How they, they would hang through Easter, but by, by, by Memorial Weekend, they had taken off because they had missed the reality of the coming of the Holy Spirit into the life of the church. They, 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 they miss it. And in verse 13, some of them in verse 12 said, what means this? And in verse 13, others mocking. See, if you miss the meaning of Pentecost, you'll become a mocker. And there, I've lived my whole life as a person who believes in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lived my whole life. And either people were going, what means this? Tell me the meaning of it, Pastor. Or they mocked it. They're like David's wife who despised and mocked David's worship. And they mocked and they made fun of it. And they dismissed it as unimportant. I think there's a lot of people in it that are Christians but they mock the work of the Holy Spirit or they diminish it. And today in my lifetime, I've watched as we diminish the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church and we've replaced the presence of God with well-kept programs, well-kept productions, if you will. And you see, productions and programs will never take the place of the presence of God in our life. And the presence of God in our life that gives us joy and sustains us, that refreshes us. The presence of God. And and, and they said, what is this? And some mocking. And Peter jumps up and he stood up in the middle of them and he said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you that you should heed my words. What's Peter doing? He's saying, you need to listen to me. You need to listen to me. Here they were. They had a stay-in-place order, shelter-in-place. And they had been praying, and they had been waiting. And as they waited, a sound came from heaven and filled these apostles and those that were with them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when they began to speak, what they began to speak was the wonderful work of God in the life of Jesus Christ. And as that began to happen, uh, there were a couple of responses. What meaneth this or they begin to mock it. And they said, they must be filled with wine. And Peter stood up and said, listen, you need to listen to me. Today, our lives are determined by who we listen to. Our lives will always be determined by what we're hearing. If we don't listen to the right voices, and there are a lot of voices out there today that people are listening to. And can I tell you, the only voice worth hearing is the voice of the Spirit that is proclaiming the wonderful works of God. The work of how Jesus came to redeem and reconcile, to restore, to renew, to revive, and to hear that message. You see, what we hear and how we hear it 
will determine so much in our lives. And on this, the celebration of the day of Pentecost, we need to have ears that hear the sound of God. And we need to have voices that are speaking the things of God. Because how you feel is a result of what you listen to. And Peter stood up and said, listen to me. And Jesus had said, if anybody has ears, let him hear. Take heed what you hear, for how you hear, it'll be measured back to us. And in Luke 4, Jesus stood up and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and today it's fulfilled in your hearing. And Peter said, Listen, on the day of Pentecost, let me explain to you the meaning of the sound. Let me explain to you the meaning of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he was trying to explain the move of the Spirit. And he jumped up and said, They're not drunk like you think. Don't be mocking us. This is, this is not what you think. No, this is that that the prophet Joel spoke about. And if you go back into the Old Testament and you take Joel chapter 2, you'll find that the prophet Joel began to prophesy about how it would come to pass that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, that sons and daughters would prophesy, that old men would dream dreams and young men would have visions, and he would restore everything that the locusts had eaten. And in that day, anybody who called upon him would be saved. He said, this is that. Listen, the power of Pentecost, the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, the sound of the wind blowing into the lives of humanity. This is what the prophet Joel talked about, about how God would breathe his breath into the lives of humanity and we would hear his voice and we would understand the meaning of the work of God through Jesus Christ was to bring himself back into our lives. To reunite us so that the breath of God, that God himself would be inside of us. Many, many people miss the moment of Pentecost. They miss the moment of the receptivity of the promise of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. And though in all of our churches we hear and we give lip service to the Holy Spirit, but most people remain estranged from him. Most people, when I start talking about Pentecost, they think I'm trying to get them to talk in tongues. And this is not a message about tongues. This is a message about receiving the Spirit of God into our lives in such a way that we have a new language. And the tone and the tenor of our language is that of love and of mercy. Listen, it'll destroy the racism that we are being plagued with in our country right now. It will destroy the division of partiality. It would bring us back into the heart of what God wants. But church, hear me, we must be open to the move of the Holy Spirit. We must be open to Him coming into our lives. I get a little tickled at people that start talking to me like they've discovered something new when healing or the gifts of the Spirit. My grandparents, a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, my grandparents begin to hear the power and the voice of the Spirit. And it changed their lives. And they moved into a new dimension. And they remained faithful to the work of the Holy Spirit. And they understood that they had not received the Spirit of this world. But they had received the Spirit of God that searches the deep things of God and brings them into our reality. That today we need to go a little deeper when it comes to our own spirituality. And we need to hear and receive the Spirit of God. Not that we can grab it intellectually, but that we can grab it in our spirit and deep in our heart. Pentecost. Pentecost is, is what we've been waiting for. Pentecost is what we've been sheltering in place for. Pentecost is why we've been praying. 
Our faith is so much more than some event that happened long ago. Our faith is so much more than what's written in a book. Our faith is a living presence of God on the inside of us that brings about His life in us. That as Paul writes to the Colossians, Christ inside of you. Pentecost is the celebration about how God comes in here. And I... While we've been sheltering in place the last 50 days, I hope we've been praying for a revival that comes into our lives and changes us. And I know, I've heard it for years. Yeah, Bishop, but, but I don't know if I believe in that. Well, let me tell you, God's okay with your lack of faith in the Holy Spirit. It, he's not bothered. He, he's, he, he, he understands that, it, that it's difficult to grasp the supernatural. It's difficult to grasp the unseen and the invisible. In fact, most of the time, until there's a crisis or a trauma or there's a hopelessness in life, most people are not open to the move of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, maybe we've been in a crisis that finally some people are open to the move of the Holy Spirit and they're not mocking the move of the Holy Spirit. But maybe now we've come to realize that we need to wrestle through this that just as Jacob wrestled with the Lord just as Joseph went through the process of being sold into slavery uh, sold actually into prison before he come there's a process that many times people have to go through before they recognize the presence of God that's down on the inside of them and I will tell you in 40 years of ministry that what I've come to realize is that even people that claim to be spirit-filled, many times they lose touch with what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the power of Pentecost. They remind me of Mary and Joseph who lost Jesus. I don't know how you could lose Jesus, but Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They, they lost him. They couldn't find him. And when they finally found him, he was in the temple doing his father's business. He said, what do you know? You didn't know where I was at. I, 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 you should have known I was in my father's temple doing my father's business. And most people lose track of where God is. And can I tell you that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and that God is in you. He's in me. He's in us. And that he, he's doing the father's business inside of us. And this is not something that you can grasp intellectually. It's something you must grasp by an encounter that God is always working in our lives, that he's working our lives in 2020. He's working in our lives in the midst of COVID-19. He's working right now that even as we sheltered in place and we missed and we, we longed for just a hug or we missed a church service. But the truth of the matter is, is that God's been working down inside of us that we might be grateful for what we've been taking for granted and that that is God in us, the hope of glory. And that today, maybe we would recognize how, how wonderful it is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and to be working right now in the midst of these moments. Uh, I've been anxiously awaiting to preach this moment. I've been anxiously awaiting to say to you that, listen, God wants to fill you with his power. He wants to give meaning not only to the sound, but meaning to your life, meaning to this moment in 2020, meaning to understand that love doesn't just stay outside of us and love us from a distance, but love comes on the inside of us. And that the knowing that we are the beloved of God doesn't come because someone out here shows it to us, but the knowing that we are the beloved of God comes when we hear the voice on the inside and that sound changes and we begin to speak about the power of God's love in our lives. You see... The Bible says that he gave us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee and that he sealed our hearts 
with the Holy Spirit. He sealed us. My grandparents were all canners. My grandparents would take in that canned tomatoes, that canned pickles, that canned cucumbers, that canned everything. And before they, that before they canned it, they, they would put this stuff around it and they'd, put, and they'd seal that. And I can remember grandmother opening that and it, it would pop because if you put that seal around them, if you put it in there, if you did it just right, you sealed the stuff in and you kept stuff out. You see, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us and He seals God's presence down on the inside of us and, and He can't get out. And the only, the only way you can bring that is to bring it along with you. God has sent His Spirit into our hearts and He has sealed us with His presence and with His life. And today, if we'll allow that process to take place, then we can experience the presence of God in our lives. The question is, is have we received it? Have we received the work of the Holy Spirit? Have we waited in hope? And have we we understood that God wants to breathe His presence into us? He, He wants to change our life. Are we hearing that sound? What sounds are we making in response to it? Are people hearing us talk about the love of God? Over the last 50 days, coming out of the church, have we heard the hope that we needed to be giving? If you keep reading Acts chapter 2, Peter goes on and he explains to them how God had sent Christ, how Christ had died. He, 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 and they responded finally in the 36th verse. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter said to them, And they said to Peter, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promises to you, to your children and to all who are afar off as the Lord God had called. What do we do when we hear the message that there is a spiritual sound that's open to you? What do we do? Well, we have to change our minds. And I'm asking you this morning if you could change your mind about the work of the Holy Spirit. If you could change your mind about how God wants to breathe on the inside of you and release His power in your life in a fresh way. How maybe the church has been unable to gather together in buildings. But maybe it's because that when we come back together, we no longer take for granted the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our midst. Maybe we need to change our mind about the church completely. Maybe the church is not about what we thought it was about. Maybe the church is about creating an atmosphere or environment where we could encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Maybe we need to change our mind as to why we gather together. That we gather together not to hear ourselves, but to hear the sound of the Holy Spirit. And that when the sound of the Holy Spirit comes through the church, the world hears the wonderful works of God and not our opinions. Maybe the Holy Spirit is set us aside for a moment that we might remember that the rest of the story is how the Holy Spirit came into our lives. Maybe we need to recognize that there's no such thing as a church without the Holy Spirit. He said, repent, be baptized, and receive this gift. This is not something you earn, it's not something you deserve, but it's a spiritual encounter that cannot be intellectualized. It cannot be denominationalized. It cannot be politicized. That the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives reveals to us that God who is on the cross, that God who is in heaven, is the God that's on the inside. 
And that this is a transcending moment. That it's a mystical, unexplainable moment. And if you're waiting to understand all the nuances of the power of Pentecost, you're going to be waiting forever. But to, to, to hear the sound break the weight. To hear the sound break the silence. That, listen, I was praying the other day and I realized that Peter heard this sound and he jumped up and said, this is that. This is that. This is what the prophet was talking about, how the Holy Spirit would come into our lives. Just eight chapters later, Peter's going to be on a rooftop, and he's going to be standing there, and he's going to have another out-of-body experience. He's going to have another mystical experience. He's going to have another Pentecostal moment for all of those that you are listening that Pentecost makes uncomfortable. But he's going to have a Pentecostal moment, an unexplainable moment. And this Jew that's standing on this roof is going to see this sheet come down and it's going to have animals in it and he's, and he's going to hear eat it and he's going to go, no, no, they're unclean. And the Lord's going to say, no, what I've said is clean. Don't you call unclean. And there's a knock on the door and they take him to the Italian's house, Cornelius' house, and all of a sudden, he's preaching. He's preaching. And as he's talking about the wonderful works of Christ, the Holy Spirit falls on these Italians, on these Roman soldiers, and they begin to speak with other tongues. And in that moment, in that trans-like experience from a rooftop to a Roman's house, all of a sudden, Peter realizes that this great gift of the presence of God is not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. It's for all people. Listen, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not just for those of us that say we're Pentecostal. The gift of the Holy Spirit isn't just for a select few. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for your children it's to those whom God has called. It's to every believer of Jesus. For every believer of Jesus who has been waiting for something to happen in your life. For every believer of Jesus who's been waiting in place for the last 50 days or 50 years. For the believer of Jesus who says there has to be more than the rules and the regulations and the rituals. For the believer in Jesus, I'm here to tell you there is more. That you are included in this. That there's no one excluded from this. That the power of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. And to change our minds about the Spirit of God and recognize that all of us should be experiencing and living in this. And on that, in that, from that the rooftop to that Roman house, all of a sudden, there was no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. They're all just the people of God. From Christmas to Pentecost, from the birth of the Christ to the Christ that comes within and lives inside of here. Listen, you can know all about the birth of Christ. You can know all about the death, burial, and resurrection. Pentecost is about receiving the Christ on the inside. And when we receive the Christ on the inside of us, all of a sudden we recognize that it's not just for the Jews that Christ came and died, but it's for the Gentiles. It's not just for this group and this tribe. And can I tell you something, my friends? given the last week that has gone on, that was the death blow to racism. That was the death blow 
to anybody that thinks this group is in and this group is out. This group is better and this group... It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that will change the hearts of humanity to recognize that we are all the beloved of God, that we are all equal in His eyes. It'll stop us from measuring one another. It'll stop us from treating one another the way we do. The power of the Holy Spirit will make us recognize that whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, whether you're white or black or whatever, that the Holy Spirit comes to join each and every one of us as human beings to Him. We need a Pentecost in our lives. We need to hear the sound of the Holy Spirit that comes to reveal to us that God is in us, that He loves us. And that whoever hears this is filled with the Holy Spirit. And your language will change. And I'm not talking about tongues. Your tone will change. Your tenor will change. Your heart will change. You'll be born again. And you'll recognize that we're all sons and daughters of God. Thus, we are brothers and sisters with one another. And thus, we must forgive. And we must change. And we must treat each other differently. For that is the witness that we as the church are called to be. Father, I pray this morning that the hearers of this word, that the hearers of the sound, the hearers of the message of the Christ who comes to love and forgive and to graft us in, that as we hear that, that the power of the Holy Spirit would rest upon all who hear, that the power of the Holy Spirit would change our minds about ourselves and about others. That, Father, on this day of Pentecost 2020, that you would make us one. One with you and one with one another. So, Lord, I'm praying for a fresh outpouring of your Spirit on every man, woman, boy, and girl. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, uh, we're going to be back in this room together. And so what you will see is a room of people again. And that's always easier for us and I think for you. I'm so glad that you're a part of the Father's House and you're a part of this community. Our community has grown. And it's grown by folks like you who now uh, tune in every week. And I'm so honored to pastor you. One of the things we always do here at the Father's House is we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the table of the Lord. Because it is where we remember that Christ died and that he rose. And we we remember that the Holy Spirit is with us. So uh, over the last several weeks, people have asked me all kinds of questions about uh, the Eucharist and the Lord's Supper. uh, And asked me what I believe. Well, here's what I know. What I know is that he told us to do it. And so, and what I know is that as I pray and as you pray, that the elements that you have there, that God does something. I don't know. I wouldn't even try to explain it, but I would say we do this in faith. Just as he told us to stay in the upper room until the power of the Holy Spirit came, he told us that when we got together to do this, and he would be with us. Meaning that, the Holy Spirit would refresh us and revive us and renew us. So you get your bread and you get your wine and you join me. Out of sheer obedience, 
those that waited in the upper room experienced the Christ in a powerful way. There he was. And through the sheer obedience of doing this, we can experience God in a special way. Father, we come to you and we know that you sent your son Jesus to us and that you, your spirit, anointed him to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim the release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty all those who are oppressed. That he came to announce the time had come when you would save the people. He healed the sick, he fed the hungry, and he ate with sinners. And when the Lord ascended, he promised to send the power of his spirit into our lives. And on the night of his betrayal, he gave himself. He took the bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so today we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Father, I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on all who are gathered together around the television or this podcast, that you pour out your Spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine, that you make them to be the body and the blood of Christ, that we ourselves may become the body of Christ to the world. I pray now, Father, that through your Spirit you make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry to the world until Christ comes in his final victory and we are seated at that heavenly banquet. And so now as Jesus taught us to pray, let us pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. This is the bread of heaven broken and given to you. This is the blood of Christ poured out for each one of us. May we eat and drink and remember that Christ died and rose for us and that he sent his spirit into our hearts whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. I am looking forward to next Sunday because um, I'll be able to preach while people are seated here. We have been faithful to wait to bring anybody back into the room uh, until we could get all the preparations done. Uh, it's interesting to me, I agree with a colleague of mine who the other day said, I, I didn't need the president or the governor or anybody else for that matter to tell me that the church is essential. I know the church is essential. Uh, in fact, uh, that's why I've been praying and continuing to, to do what we do. Uh, for how we gather together, 
why we gather together and the power of the Holy Spirit that comes when we gather together is the most important thing in you and I's life. And so I'm, I'm believing and I'm praying that you and I would continue to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would change the tone and the tenor of the people of God and that we would speak of the wonderful works of God in a fresh and an anointed way so that the world could hear that Christ gave His Son that they might live and live abundantly. That He sent His Spirit into their hearts that they might not only think about Him, but they would know Him in a personal and intimate way. If that is you this morning, I want to pray with you right there. I want to pray that, Father, we would repent from our sins, that we would open up our lives, and that You would come into our lives and fill us with Your Spirit. That, Jesus, You are the Lord of our lives. Thank You. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look you in your eyes and grant you his peace.